Art of Thriving, where we talk about our journey and how to thrive no matter the situation or circumstance. I'm Jody. I'm Matt. And welcome to March. We are so glad to be here. It's almost springtime. Yes. So pumped. Flowers are starting to bloom. There's hope. Yep. And we said that in, in February, which is kind of funny because after the last episode, not a lot had happened. And I said spring was on its way. I knew it was. And then we had a huge snow. Oh, we had like the worst ice, ice storm. storm in 50 years or something. There was, yes. No joke. There was probably three quarters of an inch, almost an inch of ice, solid ice on everything. Yep. It was the biggest power outage, I think, in almost 60 years, they said. Somehow we lucked out and we only had like a little tiny bit of no power. I know. And I felt kind of guilty as I sat in my hot tub and also really thankful (laughs) because we had friends without power for like 14 days. 14 days, people. Not okay. No power. Not okay. No, Texas had its whole thing too, but... Uh, (laughs) They're even less prepared than we are. And Portland's not prepared either. No, I feel feel for some of those people in Texas. They were less prepared. Portland is maybe a little bit more used to ice storms uh, than Texas. So we we at least like know how to handle power outages and all that good stuff. Yes, thankfully. And our leader didn't head off to Mexico. So (laughs) there's that. At least we got that going for us. So that happened in February. We need to have a separate like political podcast. (laughs) Commentary. Commentary. (laughs) No, I just love it throw that in every now and again yeah totally it's just how it is okay people. So, so we had yeah. a good february we We're back at it for march loved sledding got a snow day i know in the midst of it where our virtual school online school had a snow day yeah, because, because all the power multiple snow days actually because yeah. all the power was out and power. teachers couldn't teach that sort of thing it's ironic pretty crazy pretty crazy is that ironic is that the right use of the word i don't i don't know <laughs> Okay, so uh, it's been crazy. It's been good. Um, spring is almost arrived. We are uh, looking forward to the change of weather. This is the time of the year I love the most, so I'm super excited about that. It gets a little warmer. Flowers come out. It's yep. green. I sat outside this week and got a sunburn, and I rejoiced. Yeah. Because it meant it was warm enough. To yeah, we used to live out. in Montana, too, so winter there is like nine months long. Don't miss that. Yeah. So we're happy for springtime. Yes. And also... On a more sad note, we surpassed 500,000 COVID deaths, which is truly devastating. Um, It feels like there's hope on the horizon with the vaccine and all of that good stuff, but it is, it's terrible. Yeah, it's rough. And we we have friends who've lost loved ones, you know, and it's, it's brutal. So it just feels really heavy in a lot of ways. So, yeah. and then you, all the politis, politicization, is that a word? Yes, I think that's a word mm-hmm. um, of everything, you know, whether or not to wear a mask or not wear a mask or just, ah, I'm just so tired of it. I'm tired yeah. of it. So there's some grief there that I'm just annoyed and frustrated. I'm trying to uh, not get riled up about it. Yes. The ongoing grief cycle, which leads us into what we're going to talk about next. Okay, so we wanted to finish off where we left off last time with some thoughts and some things that we've learned through the grief class that we took through our church. Yep. And it was great. It's a great class. I mean, it's like six weeks or something. So great tools, great um, perspectives, and kind of intersecting faith and grief too, which was really, really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, that, I think after going through it, I was like, oh, there's really some grief that I need to deal with. And it was, Really interesting to see that bubble up in my own life personally, but also just like how to think about grief as 
a follower of Jesus in the, in the church in general. So that was good. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. so you're going to run through some things here. Yeah, I'm just going to hit some highlights. I'm going to make awkward jokes because that's what I do <laughs> when I'm uncomfortable. Perfect. <laughs> so Bad. here we go. Okay, so I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anyone, but grief can cause anxiety and excessive worry or fear of what can happen. Um, and that is not just an emotional thing, although it causes emotional well, issues in our life. But it's a brain-based nervous system response to imagined danger. Right. And it's not logical all the time, but biological, which is really interesting. It's very interesting. That. And this, I mean, of course, we're in the midst of like a living laboratory of grief and anxiety and worry in our mm-hmm. current culture. So this is very relevant. Yeah, and we were just talking about that with our daughter because this, the young generation, has the highest anxiety rates and depression, which then leads to suicide rates. Um, Like, they're the highest of any generation, which is really terrifying. And so we need to learn how to walk through this well Mm -hmm. for ourselves, but for the future of our young people, for our kids, for the next generation, we have got to figure this out. Right. it just causes all kinds of issues, identity issues, um, just fear that cripples, and it takes a toll on your on your heart, mind, and body in so many ways. And so, for example, COVID, I mean, it's caused anxiety for so many people because you have fear about leaving your house, you have fear about if someone else is going to respect your boundaries and do the right thing, are they going to wear a mask, do they not care, um, you know, like, am I going to be putting someone in danger if you mm-hmm. have friends or family who have health issues. Like this is just one example um, of anxiety being produced over a long period of time from grief, like being in this process. So the pathway is like grief happens, something happens or an experience happens. It can be ongoing too, Mm -hmm. but then it, it fosters or like brings to life this anxiety and worry. Yes. So it takes over or we can let take over, I guess. Yeah. So again, like we talked about, Last time, acknowledging it, you can't just deny that it's happening. Acknowledge it, process it with people, which we'll talk further about. Um, But then there's just one really simple tool, and it's something that I've been learning about, and it was uh, breathing. It, It was exhaling longer than you inhale. Which is really interesting. Exhaling longer than you inhale? Or just exhaling longer? Yeah. But you could breathe in for four and breathe out for eight. So it's slowing your breath. Yes. Slow your breath. It brings you back kind of present in your body, calms the nervous system, and it calms your brain because you're actually focusing on your breath. Yeah. So when you get anxious, you take shallower breaths. Yep. Or hold your or breath. Hold like your breath. I will hold my or you breath. Or you know, tense and mm-hmm. you're not thinking about breathe, breathing yep. like that. So. Yeah. So I left that this class, it brought in tools that were really practical in everyday things that can make a difference, like right in the moment. So I'll actually do this. Like when I, I am not, well, I shouldn't say this. I don't love um, like speaking in front of people or in my case, like doing like sales calls or something like this. So I'll actually like sit down and like take like three deep breaths before I have to make a important phone call that's like high pressure or something like that. So that's super helpful. Putting that into practice. There you go. go. Okay, so that's one. Here is another one that I really want to talk more about. Um, Let's talk about it. Okay, so this was the idea of self-trust. And this is a thought-stopping statement that she said, teach yourself to use this statement. I trust I have the skills to handle this. If it happens, 
or find the help to do it. So kind of whatever that anxiety is. So in the moment, you're you're referring back to a thought or a practice or a mindset, basically, that stops the anxiety. Right. So some... some Okay, so for example, let's just get real vulnerable. One of my greatest fears is you dying. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) Yeah, it's truly one of my greatest anxieties and fears. And I have to keep it in check. My greatest fear is spiders. (laughs) (laughs) She just hit me. She got this on video. (laughs) Okay, we're going to have another podcast after this. About conflict resolution. I have to tell myself, okay, if that were to happen... I could find the skills. I could find the help to make it through. Like I have to train my brain mm-hmm. to tell myself I could make it through. Yeah. If that happened, um, which is really interesting. Instead of imagining, you know, the worst outcome, we, you should try to imagine right. the best outcome. We're super but, good at imagining the worst outcome yeah. of things. And so even if you're like, well, what if that did happen? Try this statement. I trust I have the skills to handle this. If it happens or find the help to do it. Okay, but here's what I want to talk about deeper. Okay. Because as women, especially in the church, but I think in our culture, but especially in the church, this is not taught well. Or at all, perhaps. We are are taught to trust authority, which are usually men, not to trust ourselves. Even even thinking, well, your heart is going to mislead you. You're sinful. Don't trust yourself. Um, You're inherently bad. Um... And not to, like, listen to your own body, listen to your own mind, or even when we do come, you know, say something or come out with something that we want to speak our truth, we're not listened to or believed. That's super interesting because, obviously, I'm a guy, so I don't think I have that experience in the church. I mean, you're probably looking back, it's like you're assumed to kind of know the answer and have the skills or the the ability to problem solve and move ahead, whatever. Yeah. So that makes sense. Like if depending on your role, you know, gender roles and like how you define that within the church, like typically, I mean, stereotypically probably, but a good portion of people, women are put in places of subservient positioning or you are incomplete without a man. Right. To to follow, to lead, to care for you, that sort of thing. And certainly there's like, I mean, we are pro-marriage, so that, yeah, 100%. But you're also, you don't have to be married to be complete. Right, yeah, exactly. And have a life of purpose. So it's interesting in the context of anxiety here too is, so because of that, like often anxiety can kind of riddle a woman. I mean, certainly men deal with it too, but it's interesting to think about how that, perspective that is portrayed in the church can foster anxiety mm-hmm. um, because it, it just fuels the idea that you don't have what it takes to make it right. on your own or you don't have the skills or you can't handle this. Yep. Yeah. So that for me, when she said it, I was like, that is not taught to us. Yeah. We are not taught to trust ourselves. Yeah. Which obviously like I look at the Bible and I'm like, oh, women are like, and amazing, like yeah, leaders, completely. creators, entrepreneurs, all those things in scripture. I'm like, you have more skills than I'll ever have. So, And we all have the Holy Spirit right. who lives in us and 
can lead me and I can trust where he leads. And I don't need another pastor or another man to tell me, yeah, that's the way. (laughs) Yeah, that'll preach, man. That'll preach. So anyways, that's like a whole, probably another 12 podcasts that we could get into. But that was one of the things for me that was like, oh, that hasn't been taught. And I have, I'm learning that. Yeah, I think I'm just, last comment on this. I think probably connects to the idea that you are uniquely made perfectly made like god didn't make a mistake when he made you um your skills abilities giftings wirings all those things and then also the truth that he is with you like he is near in that mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. in those moments right. those two truths together seem like they they effectively do battle against anxiety mm-hmm. and the lies that we often believe and kind of foster mm-hmm. in ourselves so it's good stuff yeah Okay, we'll move on. Okay, moving on. There's more. more. There's a lot more. Okay, so here's another tool that she asked us to do is for, you know, a certain amount of time, jot down things during the week that either make you feel well or healthy or um, feel like you're thriving, I guess, on one side. And when you notice the things that you don't feel well, jot them down on the other side. Because perhaps it's like a relationship or certain situations that you have to do or something at work that, you know, like whatever it is, make note of those things um, and pay attention because we, uh, we don't just end up not well, like (laughs) it's, it's a slow process, right? Mm -hmm. And if we're not paying attention along the way, that's where we get into trouble. Yeah. So much of this is like just an exercise in paying attention or noticing Mm -hmm. uh, experiences, you know, the impact on you personally, emotionally, physically, all those things. So yep. being present is a huge piece of it, mm-hmm. of the process of dealing with grief. Yep. Okay. So here's a question for you. We had to answer this in our time together. Think of an experience of grief and what was helpful or what was hurtful in that? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, People just being with, trying not to solve my problem, probably, mm-hmm. or expecting me to get over it. Yep. Which I can do to other people too, <laughs> as you know. We may have had a conversation <laughs> earlier today where this felt kind of true. <laughs> we all do it, yeah, right? Like totally. we all, because we want to help other people. Yeah. But in in our grief, or um, when someone is sharing grief, it can be not helpful when we want to fix it. Or ignore it. Yeah, but I just want to fix things. So I know. Um, another thing that's not helpful, and this came up a lot, was the at least statements. It's the dismissing. Yeah. Dismissive attitude. Like, at least you didn't. Wait, what was the one I was mentioning? Oh, it was about miscarriage. Like, mis- this comes up a lot for people that have had miscarriages. Or somebody will say, oh, at least you have, if you have a child already. Oh, at least you already have a child or at least you know you can get pregnant and you're like come on which never happened to you. <laughs> you know like so <laughs> they're not helpful just yeah. listen <laughs> and yeah. be with someone i think another thing that's really helpful um is just show up like serve people bring a meal mm-hmm. uh flowers uh just know like let them know that you love them and that you're there even mm-hmm. if you have nothing to say i you know, like just be there, be yeah. present. Yeah. And your willingness to be there in the midst of it, mm-hmm. the uncomfortableness or what could be uncomfortable for you Spe- mm-hmm. spe- speaks volumes for sure. Yep. Yes. 
Good. Okay, so here's another question. What makes someone feel safe to you? Yeah, this is very uh, enlightening conversation too because it helped me pay attention to, yeah, who are those people that I'm kind of naturally drawn to where I can be vulnerable or honest about things that are hard or difficult or deep? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I have a good sense of it completely in my life, but it's I have I know it when I'm in it. Like I can sense, um, like someone wants to engage with me and listens, asks deeper questions, those sort of things. What about you? I think it depends on the the situation to some extent, because I have some people that I feel really safe talking about certain things with. And then if maybe they've never lived an experience like a miscarriage or infertility, Mm -hmm. I feel safer talking with someone who's experienced that than someone who doesn't. Right. So it can depend on the situation, but overall, yeah, just not being dismissed. Um, and I think we talked about this early on, and this isn't just grief, but the ability to ask questions and to really want to listen. So sometimes I have to be asked three times, like, is there more or tell me more? Because yeah. I am not willing to get vulnerable if I think you really don't want to know. Right. Which is, yeah, which brings up the second point is like, there's certain people that just are never going to meet your expectations of what it means to be a safe yes. person. Yes. Which also is a helpful, like, aha, okay, like... I don't have to force it with certain people, Yep. especially if they've never experienced certain things, traumatic things, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and to release un- unrealistic expectations right. of people who are c- just cannot show up for you that way. Um, because it's, I mean, honestly, it's not fair to them and it's just going to keep hurting you. Yeah, exactly. That's super helpful for me. Yeah. And with people who are unsafe, this came up like creating uh, good boundaries. And especially in grief, because you can take on other people's stuff because you're already feeling vulnerable Mm -hmm. um, and exhausted and emotionally taxed. And so you need to have boundaries. It's super helpful. And so we talked about about that Um, and and the process, I guess, of how to help that. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, Yes. Okay. let's keep going. Okay. so let's talk about that. The three things that she suggested. Um, and it's kind of with, you go in knowing, I guess with certain people that there's a gap of what people want for us and what they can actually provide for us. Um, and so they want us to feel better, but maybe they might say hurtful things or with someone who, um, you just need to have certain boundaries with. So this was the three steps that she said, and I thought it was really helpful. So you address their concern for you by saying something like, thanks for your concern for me. Like acknowledge that they really do want to be helpful, even if they've done or said something that just really stung. Yeah. And then um, clarify your boundaries. Say, I'm still grieving. When you say that, it's not helpful. Can we not talk about this again? Um, Or just be clear. I'm not interested in talking about this right now. Or I'm not in a place to talk about this right now. Um, So be clear. And then redirect. How about we go for a walk? How about we We watch TV? Yeah. (laughs) Play video games. (laughs) Yeah. So address their concern for you, clarify the boundaries and redirect. Gosh, I just felt like that was such a tangible, practical tool that was, I wish I would have known 15 years ago. Yeah. Yep. And again, just acknowledging that um, when grief happens, 
you change and that means some relationships will change yeah 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 and some relationships won't be good to continue or they might be seasonal and i've said this before but that is so hard for me because i am like loyal to a to my core and that's hard and so Mm -hmm. the older i get realizing that that's true and i need to be more okay with that yep you do (laughs) i know i've i've been learning I probably need to be a little more loyal. Um, <laughs> He's like, peace I'm out. Like, peace out, bro. <laughs> bro. Oh my gosh. It's true. It's hard for me. It just is. Yeah. Um, one of the things that came up in the class in general is that, um, especially family relationships can be hard oftentimes. And she just reiterated that just because someone's family does not make them safe and you still need to have boundaries and, um, yeah, not to feel guilty about that. Yeah, exactly. So even things like family trips and visiting and, you know, if they're not, if you're experiencing pretty significant grief, like manage that time. So you kind of limit your exposure to really hurtful, harmful situations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. The last thing, since it's long, I know there's a lot, but kids, kids came up, like, how do we help our kids process grief? And we're learning this, um, I mean, one, we have an adopted child, so that is a lifelong grief that he will carry. Mm -hmm. So for us, we've been figuring that out his whole life. And then with Jenna, with her scoliosis, that is a trauma, and it's a grief. And it's been three years of grief of losing certain things. So how do we help kids process grief when we're in the midst of our own? Yeah, oh yeah, when we're in the midst of it too. But even just more subtle things like virtual school has been hard. Like it's, yeah. there's grief related to missed lost experiences. Yep. Um, the COVID stuff, whatever it might be, there's grief related to it. Yes. There's great things too that have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the beauty of all of this is both. And it's like, and in the it midst always of, will be right. That's it's always, and that's very biblical. There's grief that happens, suffering, hard things, but there's also like great joy and significant moments of peace and yeah, all that good stuff Yep. at the same time. Yeah. Yep. And God is in it all yeah. and he is with us. In it. Yeah. So teaching our kids about that. Yeah. And even talking about that, like God is with us in it and letting them know that it's okay to have grief and, um, and also <laughs> making aware of, you know, let's say for an eight year old, he's going to get upset about a food choice or a clothing choice or that we say no to a video game when it's really not about that. It may be mm-hmm. their grief coming out sideways. And for us to be mature enough in the moment to realize that, oh, this is grief. Um, it just looks different for them. Adolescents, they could be, you know, withdraw or irritable or angry, which can be, you know, it's like, is this hormones <laughs> or is this grief? I don't know. <laughs> to be mature enough to, to know and to process it with our kids, to be present enough yeah. and aware enough to know what else did you think i thought this was kids? really good this well just the idea of like deal with your your emotions first they like, clarify what's yours don't expect your kids to carry your grief yes. um yeah so yeah pay attention to what's going on in you deal mm-hmm. begin to process those things clarify what you own like you can communicate that clearly if you can if your kids mm-hmm. are a little bit older um but don't put that on your kids if it's yeah. not helpful I love this. She said, be honest while modeling strength and providing reassurance. So you can say, well, I was crying because I was sad, but I'm processing it with someone so that they know like we're not ignoring it. 
um, but we don't have to give yeah. them all the details. You're modeling how to engage with it based on kind of where their uh, maturity level is and what right. they understand. And at times you can say, I, I just need, like for me, I've said, I just need to go lay down and take a nap. Like I'm really sad about something and I, I need some time. Like yeah. telling them that you need space because it models that they're going to need space at some point in their life. Yep. That's really good. Oh, yeah, wait. there's, oh, go ahead. The good things. Okay, things to do. And even in the midst of grief, play, mm. be spontaneous, have fun. Um, that it allows you to release emotion and um, and to laugh. Yeah. Like those are really important. She also mentioned like, be, yeah, concentrate on being present, um, but keep a routine. Try to do your best mm. to try and keep a routine with your kids, mm. which we've actually tried to do in COVID yeah. just for our sanity. But I think it's been helpful for our mental health too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, laugh. Keep going. Okay. What is this last one? I'm trying to look at my notes now. So many things. So many notes. <laughs> oh, and it's okay to say, you know what? We don't know what we're doing, but we're going to figure it out together. Yeah. Like yeah. we don't we don't know how to always work through things, but we're going to do it together. So, be in it okay. Together. So, biggest lessons learned for you. Oh man. Well, just from this section, um be wise in who you who your safe people are and acknowledge it and process it with those people and it's okay to have boundaries and here is a funny one <laughs> this example that she talked about which made me laugh because of what i do and we talk about poop a lot and my health Gross. <laughs> but she said that we need to have emotional bms um and <laughs> you can just like you need to do that in real life like if you're stuffing it you're going to be a really unhealthy and toxic person um and so process it like this get it is out a, this is a lifetime of processing our stuff don't get constipated that's right we do not want constipation in any way <laughs> grief pain in the real life poops <laughs> yep exactly no i just i think the whole thing was really good like practically some great tools um i think the thing that sucks with with me is we talked about this last time is just grief is meant to be carried yeah. and it's a it's a lifetime and it's compiles so yep, compounds compounds and so you have to um work through it yeah and it's just the idea that it's both and it's both there's grief suffering but there's also life to be lived and hope mm -hmm. in the midst of that as well so mm -hmm. um and that lines up pretty good with i think my theology what i read in the bible too yep so absolutely so deal well with your grief choose safe people and know you're not alone because God is always with you in it. Absolutely. Okay. Whew, we made it. We made it. We'll be back next time with something maybe a little lighter. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. don't know what, but <laughs> something good. All right. Thanks for the... Uh, 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 <laughs> dang it. <laughs> thanks for joining in, you guys. See you next time. All right. Bye-bye.